What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Middle cough! Heavy haves! Riding the wave. Riding the wave. Woo, mahalo. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks to all, all, uh, all of our uh, listeners out there. Sunday, we put the podcast out on Sunday after the Niner game, and it was, uh, it was a big day for the ham pod. Big couple of days, really. So that podcast did really well. So, obviously, uh, you guys are sharing it and listening to it and downloading it and all that stuff. We appreciate it. We do appreciate it. We were, uh, we were riding the high. Now the people are riding the high. And also, our, our sponsors get to ride the high, guys. So, it's a, it's a good partnership all around. Hosts, listeners, sponsors. It's like one yeah. big happy marriage. Yeah. Uh, Manscaped is back for uh, Q1 2020. Oh, yeah. Is that kind of weird, right? 2020? Is that throwing you off yet? Like, it's... I don't... 2020s? Do, do you remember Fry's, like, they had a big party, not for younger people, but even for, like, my parents. I remember going to a big millennium party. Fry? Like, your best buy! Or... <laughs> Always. No, no, Ryan Fry. Oh, <laughs> that would have been sweet though. Best Buy. It's like a, a to get everybody's <laughs> like uh, TVs to cross over to the fries and sack. 2000s? The one in yeah. sack on the way to uh, guarantee on the it would be the North Shore of Lake Tahoe. In high school, had an incredibly deep porn section. Like you just, they were just DVDs, right? It's just DVDs of like from Happy Gilmore to the new movie, to whatever movies of the time. And Happy Gilmore had, was the name of one of them. No, I'm just saying there was a porn section that you had to go like Happy Fillmore, probably. Because I, I saw the I saw last night guy, maybe it was two nights ago. There was a commercial for a movie coming out. Oh, it's the uh, the Pit, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, or whatever. And they just have an advertisement like it's going to be available for rent, and then it's like okay. get it on Blu-ray. Like who the fuck? What? People have Blu-rays. 
Wouldn't you just buy it on your smart TV and save it? Get it on Blu-ray. That was an ad that I stopped. Yeah. Maybe I was watching like AMC, so the demo's higher, you know? Somebody out there still has the big rack of DVDs next, like that surrounds their TV, their, their entertainment system, right? But I mean, would, you remember, it used to be entertainment systems. Now you just hang a TV on the wall. And all you see, so like, ah, oh, let's look you at the, up your look game. Up, you just get a sound bar. Yeah. With the, with the in, in the roof audio. Do you have You're that? Right. In the ceiling? Uh, no. Speaker? I just have, I have a couple like wraparound things that are, yeah, nothing special. Actually kind of suck. Really? Yeah. yeah I, I got, I got a, a sound I got, bar when I got my installed, but it doesn't, it's not nothing like worse changer. than like the audio is low, but the music is loud. I hate always fucking with the volume during a sh- movie or something, you know? T- to me, if I was building a dream home and doing my man cave section, You'd have to get a guy to legitimately set it up where the sound was just perfectly crisp. Because you're right, it's when you do it yourself, the the, the music or the bat, bass or the treble, something's always off. And you're like, God, something's just how is this fucking cranked all the way up? Yet I feel like I'm not even hearing anything. I uh, my parents I remember it was the worst. Really? Oh my god! You like you can't hear it when you're close, but like where my room is, it's like. It you just know, rattles like, through the wall. Yeah, like a 25-yard walk. It's like, I, I, I say, hey guys, I'm trying to sleep out here. It feels like I'm fucking watching the television. <laughs> yet you, yet you're, when you're sitting on the couch, you can't hear it. It's crazy how sound travels, right? It just... I'll, I'll, so our buddy uh, David Lindquist in Fresno, he's got one set up where he's got it like the speakers in the, in the ceiling and like the whole house sound system type deal. Yeah. It's pretty badass. And I remember one time you can, something happened on the TV that was supposed to be in the back. And it only played in the speaker that was like behind me by the front door. I thought it was like somebody was back there, you know, like that's how good that sound separation is. But I'm sure there's all these guys that spend hours mixing sound for movies, and then like we all just watch it on the same shitty speakers. Their 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 hard work doesn't get noticed. I know. Yeah, I feel. But for if those you anyone out there that has that, it's pretty sweet. Well, it's like back in the day when you had get a CD. That those don't exist anymore either. That, like, you know, Dr. Dre or whatever, when he'd hang his hat on being a producer, were the sounds. Well, if you just get, like, stock speakers in a car, you don't hear it. But if you go to a car or a sound system that is legit, you're like, oh, my God, this is mind-blowing. So they do all that work for what? You think 10% of the people actually really yeah. get to experience at the highest level? It's like, I'm glad you got two 12s in the trunk, but it's not really, you're not really, you're just hearing bass. You're not really getting the nuance. Just hearing uh-huh. the back of your Honda Civic rattle, AJ. The bass, would, uh, the bass would slump, though. Yeah, Nelly, Nelly hit hard in that car. All right, uh, this podcast brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped.com. The promo code is HAM. Uh, we know a lot of you uh, out there have been uh, buying because Manscaped is back. And so those of you who haven't, take, a, take a, a page from those who have. Manscaped, number one in men's. Below the belt grooming, John. Guy, the lawnmower 2.0. I'm charging it right now. Just did a just did a trim yesterday. Is just a uh, is an ass kicking little thing that just dominates, and it doesn't nick any no cuts, guy. No, you get no bleeding. You, you fire up the the uh, family jewels. You just mm, just trim, trim, trim. I work my way up because again, I don't have much hair on my head. Somehow I have it all over my body, and it gets a little out of control. And that's where the lawnmower 2.0 comes in. Manscaped.com promo code ham. Yep. 20% uh, off, free shipping, code HAM. Always use the right tools for the job. 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com. 
promo code HAM. Uh, podcast also brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek. Games, concerts, shows, millions of live events, price match guarantee. SeatGeek proves there is a better way, and it's with the easy big green dots on the interactive maps. Well, thanks to SeatGeek sending me to the Niner game this week, sending Haberman to the Raider game, and uh, off promo huh? code Wait, come again? Yeah, Raider game. That's uh, oh. SeatGeek. They contacted me today. You, you just go. flipped a coin? Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah. Uh, SeatGeek, we downloaded the app. We used the promo code AM. We got ourselves a $10 discount. You got Golden One seats. That's in sack. You got the Chase Center. I somehow watched that game last night. Just pitiful. Uh, so that means it's cheap. You know, you, you watch a little NBA basketball this year for a much cheaper price point than potentially next year, guy. SeatGeek. Promo code HAM, concerts, comedy. Uh, we've both seen multiple events because of our friends. Seek Geeks, love them. Seek Geek, promo code HAM. Yeah. Um, so, you, yeah, I mean, you get the Falcons. I get the last game at the Coliseum. Pretty good deal. Minshew. I'm, Minshew. It doesn't, sorry. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I'll check the, uh, check the Seat Geek app, see it on there. Uh, rates every deal on a scale of 1 to 10. So you always operate like you got your ear to the ticket streets. Every tweet of yours on Sunday should be hashtag Raider Nation. Hashtag uh, I'm going to miss over. Yeah, Co- Coliseum Rooted. goodbye. Goodbye, Coliseum. Yeah. Rooted. Goodbye, English Do you rules. think Marcus Simeon, who I was watching some MLB hot stove I just talk, saw that. I just watched him on the stage, yeah. Well, I didn't actually watch him, but they were just talking about, like, guys. They were talking about Didi Gregorius. And, like, you know, okay. he's just going to do a one-year deal. And they're like, the problem is next year is a good free agency crop. And they're like, oh, Marcus Simeon's a free agent next year. And that got me thinking, like, oh. Well, about, I, you saw the a, story. It's about to start, guy. Where you saw the story a couple weeks ago where he, he was like, he'd be open to a long-term deal. Well, how much would right. that guy get on the open market? $100 million? He'd, get, he'd get great money. I mean, he's going to be, what, 29? Is it safe to he's say? Not a free agent until 2021, I guess. But Oh, he's not a free agent next year? Until after they said on television he was a free agent after this year. Oh yeah, so I guess for the twenty twenty one season, yeah, I guess the twenty twenties are sneaking up on you. So on me, you're telling are they going to trade this guy? Or are they just going to write it out? Is he a mid season trade? Like that's I feel I I feel for the A's fans, man. I will say if you're trying to build a stadium and all that stuff, if there's one guy to keep, it's the star shortstop who's from Oakland. Well, yeah, I mean eventually you're going to have. But if if you don't keep him, like this is don't ever tell me about like you're keeping guys. Like he's he's exactly who you'd keep. Great guy, great story. You developed it. He's a badass. Play shortstop, premium <laughs> position. Hits, bombs. Yep. Yeah, just got me thinking. Like, could the could Farhan make a move? There are some wow. mystery teams on Garrett Cole. You see the money? About two hundred and ninety-five or three hundred. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of cash, guy. I think it'll be a Yankee. I did see. Yeah, mystery team. Uh, who's that going to be? The Mystery team, it's not going to be... Like, who are teams that have spent a lot of money before? Like Rangers. Like the Rangers, but they want Rendon, apparently. Tigers. Already Moreno, maybe he'll step up for Rendon. Uh, Seattle is always... but Yeah, but Seattle... See, that's who I was going to say, but Seattle's like, they're in a total rebuild right now. It doesn't make any sense for them. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it feels like the Rangers... It's funny, the Rangers... I give the Rangers credit, man. They try. They do. No state income taxes. So you get, try. Yeah, maybe gotta, you get to like profit a little it's more. Like they got a new stadium that the old one was like 20 years old. I, I know. Honestly, maybe I just thought it was 20, pretty cool. Man. All right. Uh, let's get into it, John. By the way, you, uh, you're you on the next uh, Kawakami. I don't know if the Kawakami pod comes out before this pod, but apparently you told Tim your dinner recommendation is Tony's Pizza. 
And Tim accused you of copying me? Well, I doubled that. I did House of Prime Rib and Tony's Pizza. Those are just yes. the two cool it's restaurants bang, bang. I go to when I'm in San Francisco. Yeah. You know, everyone Full. always has these like crazy answers like a Billy Bean or a John Lynch. Like, I'm not going to those restaurants. You know, it's like, you know, the the Flaway Moe and the, these random like, what? Where's that? Like, yeah, it's not oh, it's, my price Yeah, point. it's a seven hour meal. It's 26 <laughs> courses. Yeah, it's like, no. I All just, you need is a mortgage. House of Prime Rib is like the nice one I go to. Uh, and it is good. I mean, you a House of Prime Rib guy? Yeah, I, yes, I am. It's it's convenient for you too. It's close, but it's just bomb. I mean, how it's good is very, it? I, wa- I walked there about a month ago. I, I I don't know if I said it before, but the recommendation is you get the mashed potatoes with the baked potato fixings, right? So they give you the bacon, they give you all the stuff that you would have on a baked potato, Ooh, but for genius. a mashed potato. Yeah. Uh, but the funny thing is, I was I was going to say. So Kawakami accuses you of copying me on Tony's. The irony is, you're the one that introduced me to Tony's. I've just I just go there a lot and I claim it, but. I think when we first kind of got wind of Tony's from my cousin Kenny and we attacked it, it was before he really, and then he, to me, he really blew up. That was probably what, like 14, 15 range. And then I'd say the last no, five years. I think it was before that. You might maybe like 13. Like 13. Yeah, yeah. So it was yeah. a long time ago, but I, I, he's not even close to his famous and just, he's expanded a lot more since. Like they Get got a up. slice house in San Francisco and Walnut Creek guy. Yeah. They're at the ballpark. I know. Did that? Did that part make it into the into the uh, Barrett Sports Media podcast? Uh, sto- Barrett Sports Media story uh, about it? I don't know. The stuff I, about Tony's Pizza. I don't think so. Timeline. My timelines are always a little off. I did see Teddy Bruschi at Tony's Pizza one time. Did you really? Super Bowl week. Super Bowl week. Yeah. So I mean, they were all in wow. town. So it's not as crazy. Yeah. It's like a random sighting. I saw Tony there once. So we did too. He Tony was kind of. I went there with Kenny, who did find Tony's, and and Tony. It was Super Bowl week, so we, we saw Brewski. I think we chit-chatted with him. Like, everyone's just very laid back. We saw Tony. He he was more arrogant than, like, Kobe in his prime. It was crazy. And after he leaves, my cousin goes, diehard foodie. Like, I don't even blame him. His product's so good. I'd be that arrogant, too. See, I, see that's funny because uh, I used to DM with Tony over the years. No shit. But now I hit him up the other day, like, uh, three months ago. And it was now it's like just like somebody from the restaurant is like controlling the account because it was just like, hey, guy, glad you had a great experience. Let us know next time you come, you know, like oh, he used to, to respond. He used to respond, like give you tips about tasting pizza. Well, or just, yeah, because he was I think he was kind of a sports fan. So we would just I would just DM him and he was always cool. Yeah. Hit me up next time you're here whatever. And I'd hit him. He's like, oh, I'm in Vegas. You know, but then it's I stopped. It's it now. It's like uh, I don't think he's in charge. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, it's like not him hey, me, me and Alyssa want to swing by. Can you swing us in at nine? He'd be like, no problem. Now it's like, no, you got to wait on the list. This is Bill from uh, HR. <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's just what happens when you go big. You know, it's like everyone likes the band when they're in the basement, and then they get big. And they're like, well, our fucking house is a lot bigger now. <laughs> Tony ain't looking back. All right, let's get into it, John. Uh, the Forty ers I mean, we knew it was a big game. I think the difference, the thing I didn't quite recognize when we did the game Sunday, obviously I knew they won. Obviously I knew it was a big deal. But I think the fact that they won the game has made it just kind of observing the last couple of days and seeing the podcast numbers and just watching people talk about it. The fact that they won the game, that it was like the Ravens game was like a game of the year. But this was a game of the year that they won. And... uh I'm not talking about it was a big deal from like a number one seed standpoint. Like obviously all that stuff matters, but I think in terms of just the momentum for that organization in the Bay Area, uh, that was a big deal. That was a huge deal. Yeah, I mean, I I think because it feels like d- didn't that kind of validate the season? 
Like, this thing's for fucking real. So you better be, hold on for your ass when the playoffs start. This isn't just happy to be in the playoffs. Let's see how this goes. I think that game, the more I've thought about it, I, I watched the first half back this morning, and I told Tim this. I'd say the difference of that game and most sweet games is most sweet games, a lot of the memorable shit happens in the second half. Like, when you think of some of like the, that Alabama game a couple weeks ago, crazy shit was happening in the second half. Then he missed yeah. the field goal. A lot of my memories, I, I realized watching that game, like the double pass, Jared Cook getting KO'd, uh, the, what was the other play? There was Sanders through to Mozart. Jim, oh, Jimmy hit Sanders deep. It was, they ran an option with the well, fullback and the running back. I, this shit happened in the first 25 minutes. I saw you tweet it. I thought the touch, when they go deep to Sanders right after New Orleans scores. 20 to 7. And it was like, bang. I was like, oh, okay. The next play on first and 10 at the 20. They, they, go, they attacked it like they just had a takeaway. Well, the other thing you realized early in the game, too, and I had kind of forgotten about it, even though we talked about it, but it's one thing to be like, oh, you know, that little special teams guy who's scary. You kind of forget. You rewatch. Guy that goes going like 100 miles an hour. How does fucking anyone tackle that little guy? The, well, that his was first two returns, game. Were, he was hauling ass. You just thought, I remember, I just thought, this guy's he is just going gonna to break one in this game. You're just going to have to deal with it. And he didn't. Here's what I want. If you told me right now the Niners can get the one seed, the games I would want would be Seattle in the second, you know, the first, Seattle would be the five, whatever they play, and then you get New Orleans for the NFC Championship game. If I told you that right now, it's like, you can't get any better. That's the equivalent of going back with the Warriors, like, you get Kevin Durant, OKC, then you get LeBron. Like, that's as big as it gets. And then the Super Bowl is the Super Bowl. I mean, you could fucking play. I would probably be a little greedy there, too. I wouldn't want the Titans or anything I'd want. I'd want Belichick. I don't think you could lose with Belichick, the Ra- Harbaugh, or Andy. I think all three of those would be a huge hit. Reigning MVP, Chiefs first Super Bowl, the Patriots, the villain, or just Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, the combos. They played you know 10 years ago in the Super Bowl, a little less than that. Th- those three teams are in a completely different tier in the AFC than everyone else. Would you agree there? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I, say, I think there's, again, there's, there's – I said five the other day. I guess we could say six teams that you think can really win the Super Bowl. You have to put the Patriots there, even if you don't really think they're the same, which I think we agree on that. I put the Seahawks there, but I don't know. Um, I don't know if they're actually good enough to win the Super Bowl. The Seattle Seahawks? Yeah. No, that, yeah, okay. they're not. Well, I mean, but, I, but here's the problem is I watch them beat the 40. Like, I watch them go toe-to-toe with a team that I know is Well, they're good, good enough to, to beat anyone Bowl. on a given game. Do they yeah. have three super high-level games in them, like, back-to-back? Like, they've kind of avoided it, and you can just tell. Again, I'm not a Seattle hater. This is not like, middle guy, you're just rooting for the night. No, I, I, fuck, I respect Seattle infinitely more than the Niners just based on the fact of what they've accomplished, what they're doing, how they're doing this. But you watch them, you go, that guy they traded from the Lions, Diggs, who's made... 15, he's like Minka Fitzpatrick Jr. of the trades this year. He said he had two picks on Quandry. Sunday night. <laughs> I had my my mentions like, yeah, good job there, Dan Quinn, and I guess his name's like Dan Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia. That was a swing and a miss. Uh, but that team, you see Rashad Penny, their backup running back that had kind of been coming on towards ACL. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, Clowney's. That diner game, which he looked like Reggie White. Do you notice he doesn't look like Reggie White on the other games? Was that just a... Had, yeah. 
If he played like that all the time, I would take them a little more seriously. But if you tell me they're playing the Niners in a playoff game, then I don't think it's like a mismatch or anything, right? I mean, it's like the Niners could easily lose to them. That's They're just a bizarre kind of outlier team. You go, yeah, I don't think they're like some powerhouse, but they are 10-3 and and they got potentially the MVP and no team walks into a Niner game thinking they're going to beat the Niners more than Pete Carroll in Seattle. 13 and 3 right. guy since Russell right. got there. Wow. Cuz I would you agree like you watch the Saints you don't need to be Belichick to realize like their team top to bottom is just much better. Just better players, deeper roster. You talking about than Seattle. Than Seattle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they beat remember they beat And I feel that way about season. Baltimore too. Yeah, I do too. Don't feel that way about New England. Well, I I I'd go a little red flag on that. Did you see the story? I think it came out like yesterday afternoon like he got dinged a little for the first time, his quad. And you just go, well, that's... You're the, talking about Lamar Jackson? I'm talking about Lamar Jackson, and it's just one of those... To me, it's just one of those things to keep an eye on because his greatest attribute... Johnny you, White Sleeves? You, <laughs> do you go White Sleeves and White Gloves? He what, what Left-hand White Glove, yeah. Uh, oh, because that's why someone was making fun of that's pretty Michael fun. Jackson. But his greatest attribute, you tweeted one of the runs. I think it went for like two yards, but he made like six guys miss with like the same juke. It was like, Jesus. It was this, if, it was carbon copy of the Niner game. If that quad ain't firing, if I tell you the Lamar's running's 80%, you don't feel the same about the Ravens, do you? No. If what the Niners saw was 100 out of 100, and he's only 75-80, you're like, uh. But I, I kind of feel that the whole AFC, to me, is pretty beatable. Uh, so one thing, this comes up every time the Niners or the Giants are great. Is, is the Barrier more a football town or a baseball town? And I've probably had different answers to this over the year, years. I think at its peak peak, if you say the Niners are Super Bowl contenders or the Giants are true World Series contenders, and we've seen both, I think it's the Giants. Um... I'm going to do a hard disagree there. I, I know you are. I know. And it's, it's hard because, like, football is so massive. But I – and this is totally just – I mean, they're, this is just driving around, right, looking around. I feel like when the Giants are great, it is just you can't walk by. Now, the thing is the Niners play once a week, so obviously everyone's locked in there. But maybe that's why I feel that way. It's just when the Giants are great, baseball is just every day, and it is on everywhere. Yeah, they are. They have a Yankees quality to them for sure. I stumbled the other night, might have been like Saturday night. MLB Network it was like when the Ohio State game kind of became a blowout. Had a some show about the steroid era and Barry Bonds and the Hank Aaron thing, and you just realize the Giants for about a fifteen-year run, and then when he became superhuman for about a seven-year run had the equivalent of, like, Tom Brady meets LeBron on their squad, you know, of that human. And then after he left, they won three chips. So it's they're, – they're a unique kind of squad for sure. I, I just think in 2020, the way that we consume baseball, once you get to the playoffs or whatever, they're as big as whatever. I, I, I don't know if we look at it quite the sport the same. You know, I, I, a lot of people our age that I'm friends with don't watch it. I mean, same with the NBA. Don't watch near and consume the sport just because how time-consuming it is. I hear what you say about the, it's on at bars. And I'm not trying to diminish, like, they're a really big deal. But I, I don't think they have in the bag 
start to finish. Like if the Niners, this is a unique year because it's kind of out of nowhere, right? So if they if they make the playoffs, let's say two straight years, and one year they make the Super Bowl. Let's say they make the Super Bowl this year, and next year they come back heavy favorite, and they start you know like ten and two again, like that. The momentum next year would be way bigger than this year, right? Yeah, because part of what's been unique about this year is hey, people are like we're gonna be pretty good, and then it was like whoa they're back. If you give me two or three years of that, I, I just don't think the Giants or even like you saw with the I mean with the Warriors, it's just, you're right. It is different because of the inventory. The games are just on. There's just a lot. It's, to me, it's hard to quantify, but I would still lean Niners just because of the sport of football and how big the sport of football is. Because I think there are a lot of people that live around here now, probably more than ever over this last decade, that aren't necessarily from around here, but you just become a casual fan when you move somewhere, that you're just a little more likely to be locked in on an NFL team See, than you that, are the other sport. But I actually think the Giants benefit from that just because their ballpark is one. When they're just okay, it's just a hangout spot, and especially because it's a hangout spot in an area where a, blunt, a bunch of transplants work. Yeah. They got a lot of things going for them, <laughs> you know, even as society changes for sure. The, ball, well, the, ballpark, yeah, the, the that, ballpark is their great equalizer. It's like, speed kills. The Giants are like, Oracle Park kills. <laughs> just, Waterfront property. Remember, you and I went when we interviewed Papa on just a random day late in the season, and the season was over, and you're just there. You're like, this place is badass, you know? For, it was a day game. Who are they playing, like the fucking Pirates or just a random-ass team? Was it the Pirates? Yeah, the tight. It was a random team, and it was like this. Uh, yeah, it might have been know. the Padres. It was like this is a cool game. And everyone there just smiling, hanging. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, well, the thing that works against baseball when you're when a baseball team is bad is the thing that works for you when you're good. Inventory. Which is when you're good, it's like, oh wait, there's a new. It's my favorite Netflix show, and it's on every. There's a new episode every night. Yeah. Oh shit! Right. The inventory when you're good is just fantastic inventory because i can just watch an hour of the game and they're happy with that just watch an hour of the game like it's going to be on in prime time every night uh people are just gonna be talking about it so i i I do think on just a big picture note if you want to clump all three of them in when the giants 49ers and warriors are really really relevant like have a super bowl you know world series nba finals likes team the entire community locks in you know they, the amount and what makes the Giants and Niners unique is they've had competition in the market and it hasn't even mattered. Like the Warriors dominate, of course they do. They're the only basketball team here. You know the other two sports, you'd go, well, God, you know, what about the Ace fans? Are they going to watch? Well, yeah, they outnumber them by such an enormous quantity. And same with the Niners, it doesn't really matter if they watch or not because the majority of people in these communities—South Bay, North Bay, East Bay, Sac, fucking Fresno are watching Giants and Niners. Definitely Niners. I guess Fresno might be a, a little more split Dodgers because you got a lot of guys in L.A. That's probably cut off. Like, Because when I was in San Luis Obispo, there were a lot of L.A. people there. I'd say north of those places. Yeah. I, I, having, I mean, like the station I worked at in Fresno carried the Giants. Would games. you say Fresno's probably like 70-30 Giants-Dodgers? No, I think it's closer, I think to, it's closer to... Yeah. Yeah. ton of Dodgers. But I think once you get to like... Start going a little north. Once you get Stockton on the way up to Sacramento, the Giants just own, right? Yeah. San yep. Jose up to Redding, own. Right. Own. And the Niners, same thing, own. <laughs> I I think about this, like, you didn't go to elementary school in, in like, 
Northern California, right? Because when you move ninth grade, uh, yeah, somewhere before ninth. You grade. Remember those hats that like Steve Young wore on the '94 Super Bowl team that kind of had the waves? They were like the brand. Yeah, new I had. I had. I wasn't John. I had a. I got a Joe Montana helmet, jersey, shoulder pad thing for my sixth birthday in Omaha, Nebraska. I thought about this. And a Jose Canseco jersey helmet. So, that was like the last where the A's kind of resonated. He's my actually. favorite player. Like it was, that was 1990. Everyone liked the Nash Bros. I, and I had I'd never lived west of Nebraska. I was five. I just vividly six. remember being one time on a uh, at the playground in like probably like fourth or fifth grade, and ten of us had that hat. And it's just that the hats come back. Well, what would the difference be that like if you would have gone to a playground? Two years ago, what would have been there? Steph Curry jersey, yeah, right? I think, yeah, I just think the difference is like that. The Warriors' peak was so so high, and you could argue like, how how can you guys aren't putting them in that category? I, they just don't have the high end history. But, I think, but Eddie right? DeBartolo, Joe Montana, and Steve Young, think about this: they did what the Warriors did from 1981 to pretty consistently like late 90s. Imagine if the Warriors did that for 12, 15 straight years. It'd be like, right? You know, it's overload. And that was a time where there were really only a couple channels to watch. There was one newspaper. It was all anyone was talking about. There was no diluted content. (laughs) You know? It's just, that was that. It was ownership. I I think the greatest time, because I saw saw, uh, Jason Applebaum, who works in local TV, tweeted like, you know, when the Raiders leave this time, I I do think they'll be a decent, like their fans will stick with them. And I was thinking, last time when they left, and a lot of teams were leaving in like the 80s, society was so much different now that with the internet, social media, like I don't think that's the case now. Yeah, your older people will stay with them, but younger people don't really think like that anymore, one. And two, just time operates at such warp speed because everything is just coming at us 90 miles an hour. I'm not saying it's like the best thing in the world, but it's just the way it is. That like in five years, I, I feel it'll feel like the last time they were here was like twenty years ago. That's not even a shot. I'm just saying like that when you're always moving, that's the other thing the Niners benefited from, right? Like the the team in their market, another NFL team. There are only thirty two of them. Always moved, had this weird brand, and the Niners were just like, "This is us. We're here." And for the most part of the last, well, the Jed years, they had some bad years, but they were so good. Think how many generations were they're born coming into their twenties, their thirties, just over the period of time from nineteen eighty to two thousand two. Well, we get this question a lot, like on Twitter, when the Raiders move, are you going to keep covering them? And uh, you know they're not going to be on local television anymore. We're not going to have them in the market. No. Like if they if they get picked up as you know the equivalent of like a national game, right? We'll get it, but that's it. That's what I was told. That hurts. Yeah, see that that hurts. Well, to me, when I was told that, I I thought even more like that's a game changer. But I like I haven't dec- I haven't like made a decision in my like I'm not talking about the Raiders anymore. Once they're gone, they're dead to me. It's just to me, it's as simple as I think everything you said in response to Applebaum's tweet. Well, how do we go out of the, our way to watch the game? Just that well, simple. yeah, I know, I know. But the counter to that would be like you don't. It's you. It's so much easier to be a fan of a team that's not in your market now than it ever has been. Right? Like I like the Thunder when Durant was there. I just watched yeah, them a lot. Yeah. But so, but what think, if they're not on national TV at all? I'm not going to see them. But, but so here's what I'm going to say: if they're good, if they're really good, you then see. they'll have fans. Yeah. <laughs> but the question is: is the fan base big enough here in the Bay Area that 
that it doesn't become just the Niners town within two years if the Niners are good? And the answer to that is no. Well, I the, mean, it already is the a Niners answer town. Is I know. Is, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, there's not going to be – like, you'll see some – I still think you got a lot of Raider fans live here. You'll still see Raider flags. You'll, I mean, I, th- I still think you kind of feel them in the Bay Area. But if they're not on TV – I'm not talking like next year, guy. I'm talking like 2026. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. And to me, the way that they're around in 2026, the barrier is if they're really good. If they're really good, then it'll be easy for mom, dad, who's a Raider fan, to get their kid to want to watch the Raiders. Well, the one one way that they won't feel at all relevant around here is if Kyle can go on like a six, seven-year run of like what Pete Carroll's doing. Because think about the – I think Seattle's a good example. We're in our mid-30s. The majority of our life, Seattle didn't matter. And I don't think – I'd say before, like five, six years ago, if you lived around the West Coast, you were not going to see that much Seattle swag outside of the Northwest. I see a lot of Seattle shit now, just randomly. You know, clearly because we get a lot of transplants living here, but it's just a popular jersey for guys to wear. You'll see a guy in, in their colors. I think, were you the one that said, one thing they got going for them is they have unique colors. So it's just kind of a cool color scheme if people like, you know, clothes. Well, you're talking about who? Seattle Seahawks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, my the point neon, is, like, they yeah. got so good and so big, and they still are for, like, a 10-year run, your fan base keeps adding. And they, they were small, so they had a lot of growth. But, like, if the, if Kyle can go on, if I say Kyle Shanahan is going to win a Super Bowl and make the playoffs six of the next eight years, you'd be like, well, they're going to steamroll this area. Because <laughs> right. anyone that ain't involved, if you're, like, seven, eight, nine, ten, or, hell, 15 – you're going to fight that? No, you're not. Also, in Seattle, the Mariners have the longest, have, haven't been to the playoffs since, you know. But I think it has less to, to do with that and more to do with just how great Seattle Seahawks have been, right? No, for sure. I'm just saying the, 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 the Sonics left yeah. and the Mariners stink. They got the market corner a little. So it just, there was a, there was a void there. But th- that's a good example of you and me. We could, I mean, if we wanted to do a Seattle Seahawks segment, Every show, or definitely minimum like twice a week, it would be pretty easy, you know. And we don't get we don't see every one of their games, but it's like people would have opinions on it. Like it's right if you're that good, and yeah, Russ. you're on the hell. We may talk about you. We'll talk about New England Patriots they're, Day. They're yeah. really a perfectly. I mean, they've got star head coach who was a star before he showed up. Star quarterback, been a star a long time. Got married to a famous person. Uh, Richard, cool colors. Went to one championships. They're really, I mean, it's perfect. Well, it went to two. I mean, it had the famous play on the goal line. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, yeah. I'm just generalizing the whole thing. It's just they've got, like, you would just be like, dude, what, do we have a face to franchise? Yeah, it's the coach. How about anyone else? Yeah, it's the, it's, the super, it's the Super Bowl quarterback. Cool. Anything else we got going for us? Sweet colors. All right. What else? Great crowd. Looks good on TV. Check. Uh, uh, fan base with disposable income? Yep. Check. Right? Yes. Yeah, this isn't a complicated formula. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, you know, I was thinking the year the Niners went to the Super Bowl, I, I remember they were one of the healthiest teams in the NFL, John. I think they might have been the first or second in the NFL in just like fewest, however they measured it, starts, lost, injuries, or whatever the deal Guy, was. Starters on IR, stuff like that. Yeah, they were it, they were one or two that year in health. Like, people just didn't get hurt. Um, So here's the situation except, right now. Except you, Alex here. But he came back. Except Alex, yeah. you're right. What was his injury? It was a concussion, right? Um, I think it was just a concussion. He had to miss the game, and then he got Wally must have been. Yeah. Or was it more than that? Because he had to miss a couple. I have to look back at it. I think it was a concussion. D. Ford Hammy, Sherman Hammy, 
Weston Richburg season, DJ Jones sprained ankle, Quan Williams concussion, Kwaski Tart reap. Um, the Sherman one. That ain't good. I mean, Ben Garland came in and, and played well. Like I think he gave up. I think I saw Lombardi right. He gave up one pressure in whatever twenty six snaps or something like that. But in that building, pretty impressive given the noise. I saw Kyle say the same thing about Jimmy. Like one thing they got underappreciated about Jimmy was just that in this really loud environment, you never remember how <laughs> how many delays would Harbaugh and Kaepernick have had at the Superdome on Sunday. You like, remember, and I was thinking about this maybe after the game. It's just it's just we forget everything so fast now. Do you remember the NFC Championship game last year? Rams cheat or Rams Yeah. And the first half, old take exposed. If they could get a picture of that, it was like, gosh, fuck, you can't hear, they can't function. It was like they're gonna get boat raced in this game, and they just kinda they held on to the rope. But I remember the first like three series were like, Oh my god, Jerry Goff's got no fucking chance. And then remember they they either hit a big play. I don't remember how they kind of got back into it, but there was a section on Twitter for about twenty minutes that thought Jared Goff looked like Blaine Gabbard or something. So I think it speaks. Now was it probably for that game a little louder than the Niner game? Maybe, but still, I mean, it's it just shows you it's one of the toughest places to play, and he thrived. Now they're all their play, but it's not just like to me they they just thrived. But when you start listing. They can overcome D Ford, where I think they can't overcome here, guy. Even though I got an alert on my phone, I guess Calvin Ridley's out for the year, which helps this week. But uh, they still got that other guy. I think his name's Julio Jones. That Richard's not going to play this week. Quan is their starting nickel, and has been damn good. So then you're already you're down your starting corner and your third corner. So now you got Akello and. E-man, and then you got a random. So now you got multiple backups going. You got a backup nickel, which most teams, again, a little easier this week because they're one of their best players is out. But they also, Hooper has been a good player. Like, is Marcel Harris covering him? <laughs> now, Jared Cook's pretty good, but Hooper, at one point in time, I haven't looked lately, but had a was having a big year. Yeah. But that's a lot of fucking injuries guy on defense. Like is, is there, do they get to the point of a law of diminishing returns that you're just going to lose a game? Just unequipped. You're lucky you're playing the Falcons, but they, they guy, they've played better. You know, they haven't also been played poorly. Yeah. I, I wouldn't trust them. There's any advantage. Kyle works with this guy. He knows him kind of a long time ago. Now I do. I mean, like, you know, it's funny. If you go back and look, you think about, I was thinking watching that game, just how not lucky Breeze is to have just to have had Sean Payton as long as he's had him, but kind of how lucky he is to have had Sean Payton as long as he's had him, right? Because I, I got to think that uh, Matt Ryan is thinking, imagine if like Kyle Shanahan had just been my head coach and just never had to leave because he wasn't the offensive coordinator. He just was my head coach. If they just said, you know what? We see where this is headed. We'd rather keep Kyle than Gus. Unprecedented move. Kyle, you're the head coach. Gus is getting fired, right? Dan. I, Dan, I keep I always do that. Gus Bradley hasn't been head coach in like four years. But but like, is, and uh, the part of my take guys always make fun of it. Pete has a Pete has a specific look he goes for as their defensive coordinator. Bald. All of his defensive coordinators, bald guys. Has not had a hairy defensive coordinator since I think he's been there. All wow. look the same. Different body wow. types, all bald, keep, mainly goatees too. Okay. Tries to keep guys, you know, I... 
There's a does does bald mean less uh, less testosterone, John? I I don't know, but he's he less ha- less challenge to the throne. He has a type, or more testosterone. He has a type. He does have a type. Anyway, sorry. Dan's Dan. been better. The point than is, as a head coach, at least. Go look at like go because I did it on Sunday. Go look at Matt Ryan's stats his last year with Kyle, and then the next year, they're dramatically better with Kyle. Um, and I watch Kyle right there's now. Not, there's not a Atlanta Falcon fan if they could say, "Could you redo it?" That they would not say redo. Right, they would have kept Kyle with Matt and all those guys. But but so but you couldn't. What were you going to do? I, the Niners are just so much better equipped, even with injuries, to win this football game. You're right. I mean, there's just don't, don't you think really quick, just a bigger picture thought on that. Wouldn't you imagine the next three or four years, if we get to a position where a young guy like a Kyle McVay type is the offensive coordinator, and it would take like a CEO type? Where they do a move like that, where that guy's getting offered a job and they just fire the head coach and keep the guy? Don't you think that's kind of inevitable in the way football's trended? It would take the what, unique situation, though. What is the trend exactly that would create that? Well, let's situation? say let's say instead of Greg, like Greg Roman's name wasn't Greg Roman, it was Joe Brady. Let's say Greg Roman was doing it with Lamar Jackson. His name was Joe Brady, and he was thirty-one. And it was like it's hard because Harbaugh's resume is so good. So it would take a it would be like it would take like a Rivera type. If Ron yeah. Rivera was I, the coach and he had a Kyle Shanahan, and that Kyle Shanahan was going to get like the Panthers' job, or you could just fire your coach, Ron Rivera type, to keep that guy. Coming off a Super Bowl year, I, I think it yeah it, I mean, it, would, it would be college, it would be right? it'd be an unprecedented like the guy won two playoff games that year or something. You're like, well, we don't want to lose. Well, the this one guy. I think of the one I think of is like. You know, clearly Bob Stoops is not like would Bob Stoops have just left Oklahoma if they, was that totally up to him or was it like Bob? Let's this is a perfect time to transition. He did, did have Bob the hard. He did have the hard thing. Remember, was, I, I'm just saying like I, people are still calling Bob behind the scenes. College football programs are calling Bob. He, uh, Lincoln tweeted out a pick though. It, it's a unique relationship because after they beat Baylor on the field at the 50 yard line, just him and Bob and his tweet. It was just a pick. And said, "This guy means the world to me," or whatever. So yeah, I mean, there might be some shadiness, but I do. You're right. Maybe I'm not saying shadiness. I, no, I don't know. I, is who's gonna? It, it's gonna take guts to like fire a head coach after Super Bowl year because you think. Well, I d- didn't. The Raptors do it. It, it happens in the NBA all the time. Because every because every the, the the average coach lasts like two point two years in the NBA. Do you think it's inevitable in the NFL though? I, well, I just don't. I guess what I'm struggling with is like, what is what has changed that makes it more likely? Well, just now. because there's doesn't it feel there's never been a more importance? Like that's what makes the Niners feel pretty good about themselves. Like we got the most important position, uh, offensive play calling head coach. Like if if, yeah. if every team could pick, that's what they would pick right now. Is that what happened with Jason Garrett initially? It, yeah, the initial Jason. Yeah, Garrett? he was the offensive yeah, coordinator. Okay. Remember, he turned down the Miami so Dolphins job. It's crazy. It's like. You can't – he went from offensive play caller to CEO. A- Andy, when I was in Philly, was more CEO type. And doesn't he, he feels more at home doing this. I think a lot of these guys, like a Sean Payton, feels like he's been calling the plays the whole time. I think they realize once they leave it and then go back, like, this is what I should be doing. But you need a good staff to feel comfortable on that because Kyle – that's why I think Kyle really valued Robert Sala, even when it was ugly – is because you're like I don't want to have to. I want someone I can trust over there. I, I'm not fucking around with that. Like I, I'm doing. I'm dialing up plays with me and my quarterback. That's where they spend the time. Well, I, I did a Colorado football game like a month and a half ago, and we it, had our meeting. Is with he Mel a Tucker. defensive coordinator? 
Yeah, he was the DC. He was Kirby's DC at Georgia. But I'm saying, is he the DC now for them? No. No. And one thing he was saying is like he missed like I man, I miss just calling I miss just like calling it I miss calling plays. He's like, now like the ball gets across midfield, all I'm thinking about is like, are we going for it on fourth down or not? Like what are our situationally, like what are we doing here? He's like timeouts I feel good about. Like he had been the interim head coach for the Jags for a few games yeah, one year. I think it was Del Rio. I think so. So but he was like, man, I just calling plays was so much fun, <laughs> you know? Because you're actually in the battle against the guy, right? You just you have you, your opponent is you versus the other coach, kind of. It's, it's fuck you. It's the high. It is high stakes chess with like. It's like what everyone loves about video games. Can you imagine doing video games and you just like, like yeah, go for it, putt next to your buddy who has the controller. Well, like, that's th- no fun. Well, think about that guy <laughs> to leave. The most fun part, like now that your week's a little crazier, like you probably feel more level-headed on the week, more controlling, but just every day Kyle knows it's him versus Dennis Allen. This week, it's me versus, well, the Falcons are actually got three guys that pick their names out of a hat, so he doesn't even know. But just in theory, Genius by them. Yeah, it's like, well, is, is Ulbrich called the second of longs? Uh, but Wade Phillips, you know, Ken Norton Jr. kind of, it still feels like Pete. But, you know, you just... It'd be hard to give that up, you know? It really yeah. would. Especially offense, because you're scoring fucking touchdowns. Defense, I could see giving up. It's like, fuck, I'm tired of getting shredded. This sucks. Offense, you're scoring the touchdown. And your quarterback's looking at you like, what do you want to call? You're in control. Everyone in the stadium is looking at you and thinking they can do your job. Not the head the play caller. Because you would say, really, people get on play caller more than the head coach more consistently in a game. Like, you scream at the head coach for fucking up timeouts or whatever. But you're consistently saying, like, why did we run that play? You know? Right. What when the fuck? You, no guy, you text me after Richie James, uh, you know, the Wildcat. Like, why are they getting? And everyone on Twitter, they're getting cute, getting cute, getting cute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, how about those other seven plays they ran for an average of 17 yards that were cute? What I find funny, and Booger dropped this last night, ever, it's a natural comment from anti-play caller or a defensive guy. Like, way to get cute there. What happens when cute works? Like, when your cute play Handsome. goes for fucking 70. Yeah. That's why cute plays always keep getting called. Like we said the same thing with Taysom Hill. Like it doesn't Did you see John, Did you matter. see Sean Payton's comment? No. After the game he goes to Whole Foods. At, on Sunday at night to like get dinner for his new socialite wife or maybe he's got family over too. And he goes to Whole Foods and he orders a bunch of shit. And I think the butcher looked at him like and all the butcher said was, what the hell was that second uh, two-point play? And Sean Payton, I, I can't tell if he's being facetious, he probably is. He looks at him, he just says, make sure the stakes are right, bro. Or one of those comments. But the butcher looks at him like, you know. Yeah, do, you do, do your job is what Sean's been saying. <laughs> now, Sean might not have been sarcastic at all. Like, fuck you, bro. Sean's like, I haven't slept in six days. You know why? Because I watch film. But it's true. Like I don't know if you saw um, the play I thought of for two Friday night, the Pac-12 championship game. Oregon ran like a swing pass to the left tackle, and it didn't work at all. But a bunch of other shit they did work. But sometimes plays, because every time you see that wildcat play, where to me there's two different wildcats. There's a wildcat where it's clear you're running the ball, and then there's kind of the cute wildcat where the quarterback's at wide receiver. Like, I don't mind a wildcat the version the Saints run, where they just bring Drew off the field. They're like, right. we're fucking running a play right down your throat. To me, whenever the quarterback at has a corner over him, it's like, this is kind of stupid. 
But the Chiefs game, they did it. Direct snap to Travis Kelsey. He had a running back to his left, a running back to his right, and a running back behind him. So it was like the diamond formation. Travis like fakes right, goes back left, walks in the end zone from like the five. Yeah. It's like, because before you're going to snap it, most people would be like, Andy, what are you doing here? And then he fucking scores with ease, snaps the ball, and they party. I always think differently about that play when it's, and a lot of times, right, I guess it's in this situation, when it's short yardage. And you like, have a like big, all you When all you need is like three yards, we just need four yards, and we just got one more blocker. That's all we're looking for. Uh, that's when I love it. I mean, it well, and to me, it's like Taysom Hill now has established himself. Any play with him, I don't, can you call cute or can you just call those are his plays, right? That's what they, they build plays for him because he's, right. he doesn't have like a, he's not like Michael Thomas where every play can involve him. No, he's got to kind of have specific plays. What is the ceiling for that guy? Like where, does he just stay in New Orleans? Does someone try to sign him for a lot of money and replicate that? Do you just know if you're him, you got a good thing going? The problem Taysom? is. Yeah, like, how do they pay him? What if someone's willing to, like, double your salary? What if they're like, listen, we only got, like, two and a half million, and some guy team offers him, like, six. But Would, some, would you pay six for that, though? But, like, what if, you know, you see the salary cap's going to 200 million. What if someone's just like, we think we got a huge role for you. We're overpay. You're a winner. You're from New Orleans. Would you risk that if you're him? You're like, well, if this doesn't work, I'm going to look terrible. I mean, money's money, but I just wonder if he's worth more to them than he's worth to other people, you know? But if, but I think this is what you start thinking if you're another team. If you're a team chasing the Saints, right, which most of the NFC is, you go, well, if they can use this guy, he's got to be two things. One, he's really talented at what he does. And two, he fits like a winning culture. We want this guy. We'll buy this guy, like the Colts or something. You just buy that. And for you, and you said this to me the other day about free agency sometimes, and this is a lesser player, but you got to overpay for what you ultimately want. And honestly, it doesn't really bother you if you really like the guy. The equivalent... I mean, the Niners kind of did this with Kyle Juszczyk. It's a little different because Kyle is much more of a consistent every-down player, but they made him the highest-paid fullback ever. You think they regret that one second, landing that guy on their team? No. I would, if I was like... You watch. I bet the Patriots would be interested. I bet the Colts would be interested. Andy, he's just too many other people to pay. Probably doesn't have the money. I can see like Seattle liking him. Taysom Hill is going to have a fucking market. Because if he's beating, and when you watch him against good teams, he plays a role. So when Pete sleeps at night, or Andy sleeps at night, or even Kyle sleeps at night, he goes, that guy can fucking play because he's kicking my ass. But to me, here's the thing. I don't know if he'll have... Like, well, again, I'm not talking Kyle stupid Juszczyk money. Plays, I'm, I'm talking Kyle, $5 million. I'm just saying like Kyle Juszczyk plays like... 60 what, snaps th- a game, yeah. A ton of snaps. I mean... I don't know. Yeah, I'm not comparing him. I think I'm Taysom's... not saying he's as good of a player as Kyle or even as valuable. I'm just saying, like the Niners, they no. really use a fullback-heavy offense. You could just talk yourself into a guy like that. Uh, yeah, and my counter is, I think it's hard when you ha- when you don't... It's one thing if you have somebody that you kind of do that with already and that guy's retiring or this guy's better and you want to upgrade that guy. But when you're trying to implement this guy into your offense and like we're going to go pay him for like maybe four, five plays a game. It'd be a polarizing just, move. Yeah, it, yeah, I just don't think people will do it. I think he's worth more to the Saints, much like my car, worth more to me than it's worth to anybody else. I think he's worth more to the Saints than he's worth to But if else. I told you this offseason, let's just, I don't even know if he's a free agent, said Belichick signed him to a two-year, $10 million deal, would you be shocked? <laughs> yeah, he's going to be a <laughs> slot receiver for 15 snaps. 
Taysom, can you catch? It would be a low. Yeah, sure. Like if I told you, Taysom, if you played lacrosse, you look like you played lacrosse. Yeah, I mean, if I if I told you like the Jets signed him or the Browns signed him, you'd be like, oh, that's a disaster. You'd be like, well, he had to get his money. But if I told you the Patriots or the or the Seattle signed him, you'd be like, oh, I can see that working. Uh, John, before we get on to some other things, let's tell the people about Ease oh. and Ease dot com or easewellness.com promo code ham love my friends at ease.com best pre-rolls vapes uh edibles guy sleeping aids i call them that just change your life ease.com promo code ham and also guy our friends at easewellness.com promo code ham easewellness.com promo code ham best cbd in the biz and uh, I, I just love our friends at Ease. They've been loyal partners in 2019. Wouldn't be here without them. And Ease.com, go support them uh, if you support us. We appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, we know you do support them because uh, we keep hearing about it. Share it with your friends as well. Ease, E-A-Z-E dot com. 20 bucks off your first delivery, promo code HAM. Uh, and uh, that is the uh, delivery within hours, sometimes minutes. And uh, Ease Wellness is the CBD nationwide, nationwide shipments. The Ease.com, you go on the platform website, you get verified within minutes and easy. There you go, be 21. CBD, doc, CBD shipments, that's the Ease Wellness. And um, the promo code is HAM for both. So go get it. We appreciate it. Podcast also brought to you by BoxOfAwesome.com. BoxOfAwesome.com. You enter the code HAM at checkout. You get 20% off your first box. We've each gotten a couple of boxes. Um, and it has had all awesome stuff in it. Yep, guy, you get started. Take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box for you. Uh, they release, release new boxes every month across different categories. Free to sign up. You can skip or a month or cancel at any time. Here's the key, though. Each box costs about $45, but has over $70 worth of gear in it. It's hard to beat that. 20% off your monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com. Enter the promo code HAM at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, promo code HAM, 20% off at checkout. Again, more deals. We're like John Stockton just passing out assists here. There you go. Uh, And it's just a way to upgrade your style. Barrel aging kits, limited edition cigars, weekender bags. A lot of goods. A lot of goods. Boxofawesome.com, promo code HAM. So I was just looking at this. There was just a, a story on The Ringer today. And I scanned it before we started doing this podcast. I'll just, can I read you the last paragraph? Uh, please. Uh, and this is following a kind of a breakdown of what happened with Antonio Brown. But then even with the team's central architecture having disappeared before the season could begin, there were the Raiders winning. There they were in line for the wild card. There they were ready to challenge Mahomes and the Chiefs. I believed. Maybe you believe too. And then the clock struck midnight. And the Raiders are just six and seven mediocre Raiders again and it's anyone's guess as to whether Gruden knows or has known or will ever know what he's doing you know I saw a good tweet today because I watched the Gruden press conference after we recorded the podcast just because like you know I'm not as locked in on just John's narratives I'd just be interested to hear how he kind of talks and he the one thing that we were hard on him in the beginning was, God, he's got a lot of excuses. I thought this guy was going to come in Parcel style. Like, we don't do fucking excuses here. Heads roll. We win or you're gone type. You know, I thought he was going to be this crazy badass. And then you talk to people, you're like, well, he was always kind of a finger pointer. And then you watch him, you're like, well, he's not quite finger pointing as much anymore. And he's not making up that Reggie traded Khalil 
or that he didn't know how much money was in his contract, just kind of talking like a politician. But he was, like, bringing up the injuries a lot. It's like, John, you didn't lose because of injuries. You got your ass kicked three straight weeks, one by the Jets a couple weeks ago, who were the laughing stock of the league at the time, you know? I mean, it, we've forgotten a lot in a couple weeks because Gase and, uh, and, and Sam Donald have looked better. I, I thought I, I saw D.D. Gregoria sign. I'm like, were the Giants? No, the Phillies. Uh, 14 years with Joe Girardi. Or 14 million, sorry, and, with Joe Girardi. Uh, you just – with Gruden, I'm like, well, cut him a little slack. Like, he's got a lot of new players or whatever. And then I saw a tweet this morning that said, of the 35 players on their defense, of the, on their roster, so of like 60 total players, 35 of them are defenders, 31 of them have been acquired in the John Gruden era, which is, what, not even two years old. Like, he's, let's not act like this is, you know, he's just, He's still going through all the crumbs in his fucking roster and getting guys. No, he did that about year one. Got rid of every. These are his guys. His guys. Now, the one kind of curveball is Derek. And to me, that's kind of like the one interesting thing with this franchise the last three weeks. Like, do you, when the season ends and they're seven and nine or hell, I mean, if they don't win this week, are they going to win another game? Because you saw the Chargers high end. If they just play well, like they're just still got good players. Derwin James is back now, and Denver's playing much better well, than Raiders. The, yeah, the thing is, if they don't like the Jags, for anyone that hasn't been paying attention, I've been paying attention to the Jags, they're a mess. A disaster. Like I said on the last pod, they're playing. Really, it doesn't matter. Like Foles, Minshew, they can't block, which makes Minshew actually makes more sense because Nick isn't mobile. But their defense hasn't played since. I don't think their defense has earned a paycheck since October. Guy, October? I think it was like earlier in the season. I remember watching like a game week two and thinking, this team's a mess. You know it's bad because Coughlin, I saw one of the – somebody I follow covers the Jags said, last week, I guess, said, you know, Coughlin hasn't spoken to the media since the offseason, and he did a press conference basically telling fans, like, hey, we need you guys. So obviously Shot is telling him, like, hey, man, we got we to gotta rally the troops here. Um, but – they, I mean, they're, that's a dead team walk, and that one-two-three Cabo uh, was been the, has been the cheer since pre-Halloween. There, well, it felt like so. J- losing J- Jalen started be, it, right? John, I, losing yeah, Jalen did start it, and he got it, and he got his way, right? That yeah. probably didn't help things. No, but losing to that, like I, I can't as much whatever we say about the they, I don't think they're going to lose to the Jags. No, I, I don't I think. I, yeah, I mean, I would hope not. I'd be, I would be surprised if they lost to the Jags. I, I am. As someone, I don't know that, what the line is, but I'm picking the Raiders. I, this week. I, I was gonna do. Uh, I was checking on the line because I'm fascinated to see it. I'm with you. Listen, my prediction on the Raiders win. They've already won. I, I'm rooting for them to win this game just because of like sniff, sniff. Yeah, it, no. it, it's just too ugly. Like you lose to the Jaguars. I, I, I don't want to bask in their like super super. Like I don't. I'm not looking for the Washington Redskins out here. This this would be. Would you say the worst loss? in the last five or six years for the Raiders to lose the Jaguars and you're way out of Oakland where it feels like the, is the team back on fire again? Because back to the elephant in the room with Derek, me and Kawakami talked about this a little bit. What is more likely that Derek is cut slash traded? I mean, it would be traded slash cut. Like if they can't trade him, they just release him. or keep Derek and then use one of your high capital draft picks on a quarterback. I think it's that. I said on the last pod, I'll keep saying it. I just, it's not cutting quarterbacks with no other plan to me just isn't, you just don't well, do Well, yeah. I mean, part it. of part of the, the trade cut would be 
because they were acquiring, I'm just using a random name, Andy Dalton. They could get Cam. They could trade for Foles. You know, something like that. Yeah. They, yeah. If he's traded slash cut, it would be because they're acquiring another veteran. And they still right, might right. then draft a guy. We've seen happen how many times in the last five years. It feels like it happens to every top pick. It's like Sam Bradford, the quarterback of the Eagles. Well, not really. You know, so-and-so's the quarterback. No, this guy's here. It happens all the time. Which, But I think it's easier to do that, and this is what Tim keeps bringing up, is Derek's brothers are on Twitter, and, you know, it's just, are they going to draft a guy within the first-round pick and have to deal with that drama that is just pointless? I did see when Tim tweeted out they did a podcast with you on Tuesday. I just like, let's check the replies. And, like, the fourth reply down was like, Raiders bashing, question mark, question mark. The, the Raiders are favored by six and a half points. Okay. Uh, they might cover that. I, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, can they? are they going to get after the quarterback? Are they going to expose the Jags' weak? Is, I mean, is uh, Cleveland Furl starting, John? Uh, I, I didn't realize you're still on the team the last couple of weeks. I, I, I just think you're going to Vegas. What are they? I mean, Gruden is that guy. What's on the billboard beside him? And he's had two seasons. If he doesn't have a winning year this year, or even just 500, it's like this guy's just losing. They don't really have that much hope moving forward. If they change the quarterback, that's where at least if you were able to like acquire a Cam Newton, there would be some like, well, Cam Newton's on the Raiders. Have some star power, right? I don't know if necessarily Gruden's thinking like that, but he does like older veteran players. Foles, would Foles have a little cachet to him that he won a Super Bowl a couple years ago? I don't know. Well, I don't know if they have cachet, but I, I do think Foles is an interesting possibility for them. I just, where are they? Now, we'll see. I'm not going to overreact to one game, but if Drew Locke has like a pretty unreal three well, or four games, like they, wouldn't it feel like the Broncos have more momentum? More I, momentum? Yeah, if they finish the year feeling like they drafted the right quarterback, and, yeah. And they rattle off like three of the last four? I do think it feels to me just on paper like oh, wait, there's I, a difference I've been between, telling you guys I know quarterbacks. There's a difference between six and ten and seven and nine. Not a big one. It doesn't actually, nothing's tangible, especially if that seventh win is over the Jags and then you lose I've just thought to of, the Broncos just thought of and some, the Chargers. Some great memes if I covered the Broncos after Locke's performance of just like Elway walking into a bar or Elway walking into a restaurant or Elway walking into work. You could have, I'm sure that in Broncos Twitter there was some of that happening. I'll tell you, man, I was, when I was in Denver, I hopped in a rental car for a basketball game last week and the radio, like the sports talk station was on. What are they talking? And so I just, list, I just listened to it for two days. And it was just like, uh, what's the chemistry like in that locker room? And uh, why does why does Vic keep talking about McManus, right, as the kicker? Yeah. Why does he keep talking about some long kicks against the Raiders and now that's messed up his leg swing? And I guess Vic has had like been fixated on some mechanical kicking thing or uh, something's weird with the kicker. And then there was I, one night I turned on. It was twenty minutes of like they had like some legal expert on because uh, who's the quarterback from Ole Miss who's like on the Ch- Colts Chad, now? Chad Kelly. Chad Kelly had like punched a filmographer at Von Miller's Christmas party in twenty eighteen, and that and he's getting sued. And it, just, it was it did not feel like a well oiled machine was running. <laughs> but that was before Drew Locke played a good game, so. So would you imagine Drew Locke talks? It was like, I, hey, look, man, I, I told you, Keenum or Flacco, I would have been good with either one. Like, that was a quote that somebody said. So it's, they're not in great shape, but if they got a quarterback, it, it Isn't it amazing okay. when you go into another market, even with a team, like, you feel like you follow a lot of teams, pro sports. 
you're just like, God, I am way out of the loop on the true nitty gritty of this sports market. You know, they're like, all right, we're going to listen. This is uh, this is eight minutes of uh, who's their best receiver now. I don't even know who it was. Sutton, maybe. Yeah, number, I, number fourteen, I think. It, it was like a it was like a media scrum. No, so no, I they never no said, Fant, maybe. No, it wasn't Noah Fant. Nobody really said who the guy's name is, but or the guy's name was. But anyway, I, yeah, man, I, I don't see how we can come out of this year with the Raiders now. Okay, they won more games than than you said they would. Fine, but at the end of the day, are you good or did you make progress or not? Did you make progress or not? I don't. You feel know these how last three games are big for progress? No, because the teams are playing stink. I don't – so what are they going to win, nine games? I would say, though, if you could win – If you could win nine games, you'd feel okay about it. But here's well, Especially what, if what two, I, you, you sweep the Chargers and Broncos. To me, there's progress I know. there. If you go nine and seven and I, sweep those teams, but if you get – you lose two of these was, last three. Honestly, man, it'd feel kind of hollow because when the games mattered, they got their ass kicked. Yeah. But I'm just saying it's easier to – I'm with you. It might be a little hollow progress, but at least you could hang your hat on some progress – and forget about when the, when it was not cutting time and everyone was watching, you got rolled. And it started by getting rolled with the Jets and the question mark of you can't travel, right, into cold weather. Like, that that won't change. That, that's Yeah, but to me it was just, it was a game you had to win. I don't care where, it just, you, you played a big game and didn't show up for it. Didn't even belong. Right? That even to belong. me is the headline. Are you talking the Jets or are you talking the Chiefs? I'm talking the Jets. Yeah, they killed you. I mean, destroyed you. I, my question is, they're already. H- how do they balance out Josh Jacobs, who they feel like they're beyond dependent on, on offense when they they need so much help on defense? So it's like, yeah, you got a couple picks, but you can't use one of those two picks on like a wide receiver, can you? Like that's, but that is a problem. But God, your defense is atrocious. Like Gruden, you're pissed off about defense. Well, most good defenses draft a lot of good players. Right. So it's like, how do you balance? And at best, they're one for two at that. Yeah, just you. They had say two histor- first round picks they used on historical on odds. Exactly. Players. That's a good point too. So your odds are not great. Wouldn't you be stunned though if like both those two picks were going to defense? How do they not use one of those on a great wide receiver draft on a sweet wide receiver? Gruden's an offensive guy. He, yeah. he tried this year with the Antonio Brown just blew up in his face. Like he wants a playmaker, bad. You look back at his history, like. You know, trades for Keyshawn Johnson, you know, Jerry Rice, Tim Brown. Like, he wants star wide receivers. Why, who doesn't? That's his offense. This is his baby. And and look at this draft, guy. It's just stacked with, you know, you, depending on what draft analyst you look. But I can just text people in the league. Like, six or seven guys are going to have first-round grades coming in the league this year, you know, or coming into the draft. Like they're going to be, yeah. Maybe you can get a good player at the top of the second round, but they're not at the. Are they at the top of the second round? Okay, remember that Khalil Mack thing they called the uh, uh, trade swap. The Bears have their second round pick. Yeah, but they have the. But but neither one of those picks is at the top of the second round. Is what I'm saying. No, but I mean they're the, in the middle of the second yeah, round. Yeah, but it, but they they don't have. That's where Devontae and Michael Thomas, like good players, they don't have that pick though. That pick is gone. Wait, you gave the Bears your second for their third? How does this make any sense? It's it means it makes less sense now. Like, wait, they really wanted this player. Possible. You had a line of fifteen teams willing to like, what do you want for Khalil Mack? We'll give you whatever you want. And you said, Well, we'll also give you this with him. Like, what? And it's it goes back to then Gruden blaming Reggie. And maybe if I wanted to be like Raider Homer guy, I'd be like, Well, 
a lot was going on then. They weren't on the same page. It, it, it was just going to be weird no matter what with those two guys trying to do it. Yeah, but if you were in charge, why would you let a guy you're not on the same page with handle an important trade? Or even if you were letting him do the nuts and bolts and you had to sign off, how would you sign off on that part? Right. Why, like, why, you don't know why, would, you just, to know why would you just tell crazy. him? You call Ryan Pace back and you say, listen, we'll take your two ones, you get Khalil Mack, fucking hang up. That's it. That's the deal. If, Anybody that doesn't know anything about cars has at least done that once at the mechanic. Like, and what is this charge? And they tell you, you don't understand, but you at least asked and you feel okay about that. Oh, we did the. It was the regional pipe fluid flush. Like, oh, okay, yeah. Well, because yeah, yeah. what was it going to be like? Okay, Ryan, uh, we're not going to do the pick swap. You're not going to get Khalil Mack. We're going to give him to the Buffalo Bills. You got ten seconds to either agree to that, or I'm going to hang up and I'm going to give him to the Buffalo Bills. What's he going to say? No, we got Aaron Tippin. We got to stand for something. Or did you really want Khalil Mack? Because it's it's pretty clear when you put two first rounders on the table, you really want the motherfucker, right? <laughs> you ain't you ain't walking away over like you know a house because like the rug in the bathroom's a little off. You're like, I'm all in on this. How about uh, eight eight and eight eight and eight? Feel like progress? It would be on to, paper. To me, if Derek plays well in Denver, I yeah, I would have to. We'll see what it looks like. I would say eight and eight if Denver's one of the wins. Because, like, whatever, okay. Chargers, I don't even think a game, whatever. It means nothing. I think winning in Denver is something they're eventually going to have to do if they're going to be a good team. Doesn't it feel, and Tim and I, you and I have talked about this, but they get matched, their Chiefs and Denver game are consistently in December. At minimum, Thanksgiving week, right? They never play, oh, just playing Kansas City September 30th. That's, that's just not how they get scheduled. Maybe those owners got a little pull and they're like, give us the Raiders while we're making our playoff pushes. <laughs> Middle cop, just a hater. No, I'm just, just facts. Um, all right. What, what do you think of the Pats filming the Bengals sideline for a do your job special? Are you buying honest mistake by the New England Patriots? I want to give them the benefit of the doubt on the simple fact of, one, I give them a little credit for giving this advanced scout a little love. Give them a little do your job run on their website. Uh, and just the stupidity of what would you say the average NFL press box if you just added up the Twitter followers of all the media members? I mean, you're probably in the millions, right? Of just on right. any given game. For sure. Now, I, I did start thinking, though, that is the Bengals, Browns, like, you know, but still, it would be. No, it's without question. Yeah. It's in the millions. So you just Twitter followers, and they're just, what are they doing? Because we all do it when we sit on our couch. We follow games on Twitter. And you can just follow like 10 games on Twitter. Just different people. They tweet about fucking everything. You're telling me a Patriot guy wearing a Patriot pullover, walking around with a camera, the random like Browns or Bengals reporter wouldn't do a tweet. Like kind of weird. There's a Patriot guy with a camera around here. Like I just, I'm just trying to take a step back. Like what's this going to look like? Because their explanation is does, you know, the Colts last year did this inside information. Like teams are trying to do that a little more. That's the... That's kind of like the apple of every owner's eye. Like, give them a little inside look. We could sell it and make some money. That's why they're doing it. But the way they like the way they got caught the first time with Mangini, the motherfucker was on the sideline in a fake uniform. He was kind of hard to see. They just found him. This one, this one would be in broad daylight, right? It'd be like the equivalent of a one thing to be a serial killer. When no one's you know doing your shit at night. Another thing to just kill a guy broad daylight at lunch, right? But don't you think broad daylight would be the time to do it? Because nobody would think. Well, that that would be the counter. Is like you get so extreme. Belichick's like they'll never realize we're just doing. They'll this. Th- they'll, yeah, exactly. They don't think they no would know. No paper trail. Be the last this team is to the craft company. 
I there was a great tweet. Somebody was like, because they shot, they tweeted a link of one of the do your job on the training staff. Who tweeted? I don't remember. But they were like, if you were gonna fake a feature as cover for a covert filming operation, this is what it would look like. So I click on the video, and I and I'm like, I kind of understood. Like, there's like a bunch of cuts in the videos. It's just like, it's like pretty I don't know che- how pretty much time cheesy. they really. Sp- spent editing it was just like shot of the training table shot of the practice field shot of a banner shot of the training table you didn't feel like it was shoes. you didn't feel like it was shot a of a ball production i don't know how much time they spent so but. it would be a good like the equivalent of a laundromat to siphon some cash through type deal it would you definitely wash it yes like we gotta have which think about how involved that thing would be well if anyone was gonna go to that level to do something it would be them right like, why is our director of scouting involved with shooting these videos? I did see, like, and this is just a reality of the of the technology in the world now, is there aren't hand, and Schwartz was tweeting, there aren't hand signs anymore. Everything is just to the mic, and he tells everybody. Everything is to the quarterback, he tells everybody. Even college, well, which is a little kind of JV-ish, they still do the picture of, like, Scott Van Pelt and, like, a sailor and, you know... There's yeah. not, you know, the crazy what about, signs. But here's one thing we like. This is, and I was surprised. Bill, as secretive as he is, I think so, there have been times where the ego you just want people to know how smart you are, right? When he talked to NFL Films about searching for McVeigh, and then they have the audio: "Where's McVeigh? Where's McVeigh?" But Bill's also talking about where's McVeigh. Like, are they just trying to figure out where do their coaches normally stand? Is it one of those deals? Where You're saying the, the NFL films on the Rams Patriot game Super last Bowl, year? Right, where Bill's like, hey, who's got McVay? Where's McVay? Where's McVay? And it's like, oh, McVay's on the 40. Remember I told you there was that, and then I saw Urban Meyer talking about how yeah, he would always teams, know where the head yeah. coach was. and what is, is he norm, Somebody's job is to tell him, does that guy ever go to the special teams? Does that guy ever go... To the kickers, what's the deal? Yeah, there are a lot of intricacies of the sport that I don't even think, like, you and I understand. (laughs) I saw, there's so many conspiracy conspiracy theories out there. Uh, So you think he might just be getting the basic stuff of where does he stand on this? Where does he do that? Maybe, I don't know. I mean, but you'd have to film a whole game. You can't just, they, well, 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 I think, why wouldn't you just buy a fucking ticket and send him to the stands? Because you couldn't get the camera in there? What, that's, that's a good question. Why, why not we, even give him a logo, just have him look like a fan. Yeah, just me. wear a hat, wear a Bengal jersey, and have him go to the deal. No one would even pay attention. Buy two wear tickets. Wear a Bengal jersey. I, I just think you could eat, You could do it much easier. Now, you would get in extra trouble if you went viral because this dude's like, this dude's tweeting, look, I Googled him, and I found his picture. He's not, like, it would be way worse then. Because this, they do have a little back cover mob style of like, hey, we're just running a normal business. We're just doing an inside deal of... It's like, Belichick, you refuse to let anyone talk and you guys are going to okay. So yeah, he's like, it wasn't football operations. Well, he was following your advanced scout. That guy wasn't advanced scouting to give the information to Jonathan Kraft. He's giving it to you, coach. Well, here's my... Well, so, yeah, I guess I, advanced, I, I, you would I, never have an advance. Yeah, I guess you would never have a guy at a home game, so that makes sense. It is... there. There is... Where there's smoke or fire, it is a little weird. There is no disputing that. Did it come out today that he was 100% eight minutes of sideline tape? Well, there was a so a source. Somebody tweeted, like, well, there was a report, a source with knowledge of what's on the tape because they had to turn it into the league. They turned all their tape. Well, the Bengals demanded it. The guy just gave it, and then they gave it to Roger. So, like, good job by the Bengals to kind of be on top of it. 
snitches say, like, get hey, snitches. No, you can't. Is that guy should he have ran, or I guess he's already credentialed. They already know who it is. I, I just maybe I, he has like backup tape. I, I get back to I didn't realize the element you're bringing in now that the, if you watch the other production, it's a little it's a little shaky. I just even Bell even Bill, you would send him to the media room. Well, I'm on their website. They've got like they've done this like season three or season two of Do Your Job. Like they've done a bunch of people, right? The training staff. The I saw some. I saw someone tweet out that they did like the the uh, the Gillette staff that gets game day ready. So like they've done all these different groups. My qu- I, my question is: Is there eight minutes of just their sideline? Because if there's eight minutes, that's more B-roll than anybody needs. Well, it's right? like you probably you probably don't have eight minutes worth of the advanced scout, right? No. <laughs> If there's eight minutes of the opposite sideline, how could I believe any excuse that the Patriots give us? Well, I, I got I got one for you. Okay. This is a super conspiracy. What if the advanced scouts, like they do this everywhere they go? I guess it would get out because other teams would say, we've credentialed this guy before, but he uses this guy's cover for do your job, and then he uses him to shoot, and then he gives it to him after, and then he kind of matches it all up. It's like they've done 19 do-your-job features on the same advanced scout. <laughs> and John Middlecoff, and, how many does he have? Yeah, and there's not one production on their website of it. <laughs> so that that's – it could just be for that guy, right? Yeah, the, the question – I'm sure the league will ask this. Have we credentialed a film crew for other advanced scouts in other stadiums? And it's easy. Let's just go through the list of Patriots opponents and ask the team – like the week before, was there an advanced scout there with a film crew? Yes or no? If it's happened at every one, then I'd say they're 100% guilty. Well, if it's happened at one other one, because you wouldn't need to shoot more than once. You're not doing how many features on, like you said, well, did an advanced scout feature? Oh, that one ended up on the cutting room floor. You know, just not enough meat on that bone. That guy didn't have much to say. I could see if I was another team, I'd be like, this is fucking bullshit. Like these guys. I do. Like I, I now, and I'm a Patriot homer, but I could see if I was like Steve Bushotti. Now they've, that's some shady shit at practice. But again, like, there's a big difference, right, of... There's a huge difference. Of wearing pads to OTAs with your own team and being turned in by, like, your team's rep than sending an advanced scout and a film crew to... Yeah, that's... You're right. Like, Pete Carroll, it's a... Uh, what do they call it? Like, harmless crimes? Like, him letting Richard Sherman press at OTAs is not the same as Bill... Victimless, yeah. A victimless crime. This would be... This would be nuts. This would be this would border on just their arrogance of thinking we're unfucking touchable is pretty crazy, right? He sent a guy to the media room. That's the other thing to the media room, where the where all the press is. We're just to me the risk of just random press guy. Like, what if Peter King's in there at that giving it and notice? You know, it's just that's really risky, right? Just the wrong guy notices. Someone sends Florio a pick. Like, no one was going to see the guy Eric Mangini saw. Eric Mangini was the only guy who could turn him in because he knew, right? He was the only guy. No one else, you would just see, you see all time. if you go to any game, college or pro, you see guys with vests on, you don't even think about it. You do not even, do not even think about it. But you do think about shit in the media rooms. You and I have been to a lot of them, a lot of different sports. Things stand out. Well, you just watch people and you start judging, like, what is that person doing here? Who are they? What are they? Yeah. Who are they? What are they doing? Well, what, what are they? That's what, what every media what, person What do most does, people with television do? They put their camera down during the game because they're not taping the game. They're just watching the game. The, the people fucking back home can put the cuts into the feature. It is... I'd be a little shocked if someone wasn't involved somehow. It might not yes. be Bill. It might be the advanced scout who just... I've been there. There's a ton of pressure. 
And I can't even imagine like answering specifically to Bill. So you're like, God damn, do you, I, I don't even know. Kind of, I, I miss those three plays. You know, I, do you think? Here's my question. So as an advanced scout, maybe part of your job is like to watch their sideline. Well, we did. We'd have binoculars and you jot. So shit do you down. film it just so you can go back and watch it? Like I'm watching the sideline, but well, we're that, also that, filming it, what, and I'll that's just watch where you it later. Get into the Astros, that's. It's unfair. No one has a problem with you having binoculars and trying to jot it down mid-game live. Like, that's that's just part of the sport. There's a difference of you doing your own film room, and this is what Belichick has been nailed, and then put it with the All-22 tape and then put it all together. And then you can break yeah. down my defensive fucking blitzes, what the call is, so Bill can look across. When I throw up my right arm, I know exactly your play call coming. That's where it's like, you know the pitches. This would be... Because what they were doing with Spygate, like, was crossing the line. My response was always, everyone did it. The difference with everyone doing it is they were using binoculars up in the press box. He used a guy on the field with a fake credential. Like, he, which I also appreciate. Like, he just saw a line, and he crossed it, and he got caught. But the only way he was getting caught right was by a Mangini. Well, it's just like like you said the Astros. Like, I saw Bob Melvin on Mad Dog today on TV. And he asked him, like, Mike Mike fears, like, Mike fires. He just, a lot of guts for him to do that. And Bob was like, it did, it took a lot of guts, but he, like, before Mike fires told the media, he's like, we already knew. Like, when we played the Astros, we accommodated for the fact that we knew, we thought they were trying to steal, they were trying to cheat. And so we adjusted when we played them. So he's like, we'd like, fake it. Bob, I don't know how they did it. Bob didn't say, but he's like, we, we accounted for, like, Mike had told us. That's one thing. So... Yeah, I don't know. Like, if you're Peter, if you're another team, if you're another scout, do you see that? And would you report that to the league, or would you just be like, ah, fuck, we'll just when we play the Patriots, we'll have to adjust for it? But I think this is where this is where a lot of people get tired of the Patriots. They're like, it's always fucking something. Tomlin goes, they always cut our shit out. I don't know, like, why you go through New England when you're delivering stuff. But did you see the story on Sunday morning? The Chiefs' pads and helmets weren't there. Well, they but they got sent to the wrong place. Yeah, but right? I would assume that would be Kansas City's problem. But you wonder, right. like, do they have to set it up with Gillette to get delivered? You probably they probably do, right? But I thought they sent them to the wrong, like, not the wrong building, like the wrong city. Yeah, they sent them to New happened? Jersey. Yeah, but my point is that problem. everyone's like, oh, New England's at it again. Oh, <laughs> just <laughs> I do think if New England had something to do with that, they would might have said something after the game, right? I don't think New England. If you, New England can't do anything about your equipment showing up in the wrong state. Well, what if you like go through them to like set it up? You know, you just yeah. I don't know. I, but I think Andy's a lot like Bob Melvin, where he'd be like, "Oh, they do that. We don't give a shit. We just coach around." Right, right, right. He's just they have too much. Like they're not into the gossip of it all. Like, and they're not. Like I bet Bob Melvin would tell you, yeah, they're fucking really good too. So whether they're stealing our signs or not, like we got to be locked in, or they'll just beat us. And Andy would say, he's Belichick. He thinks he's the greatest coach ever. But I would imagine he also knows, like, what if I told you, like, Coach Reed, he had all your shit in the Super Bowl when you played him. You think he'd think the same about him? Like, what if you found that out? No, he would not think. He would not be happy. Is there a chance that every Super Bowl he played in those first three, Bill had a huge advantage over some weird shit? Maybe. Right? There is a chance. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> But but I'd also say if you could get that advantage in his spot, wouldn't you do it? Well, I mean the the league like there there are a lot of things you 
could get away with. We have to count on people. That's why you punish people, right? The hope is that either you have the the honor not to cheat or you just are scared to get caught because the punishment is too great. I don't know. But, I but, mean, if, but there's if, a difference if Bill, between cheating and just because like stealing signs in this, baseball is part of baseball, right? I would say this too. Like to me, this is different to me than Spygate. Like filming at a stadium where everything that's happening is like in the public form is different than filming like a closed practice, right? You agree with that? But Spygate technically was a game too, right? I thought it was like week one. Because the, the Saints want, or excuse me, the remember what Marshall Falk and some of the Rams called him out is big time cheating. He sent a guy to their fucking walk through the debate before the Super right. Bowl and that's knew all their plays. Yeah, that, that's, that's the most egregious. Was Spygate was Sp- during a game Spygate, they were filming? he had, it was Mangini Belichick week one. He had their guy on the sideline taping him. So that guy, oh, I think, right. would travel to divisional opponents, teams that he would play a second time, and he'd see all their good shit. So yeah. that, that was probably closer to the Super Bowl, but still, like you said, a little public. To me, a walkthrough that's not public, and you send, the opponent sends a guy in there to film is... And like a security smock. Is borderline like what the Astros are doing. Like, it's just, what are we even doing here? But like when I was, I, I vividly remember when I first got to Fresno State, we do a walkthrough. The first game I was ever at were Rutgers on the road. And you typically in college football, you do a walkthrough at the team's place, right? So if you're playing USC, you do a walkthrough at the Coliseum the day before. And Pat, who he worked for Belichick, would always go check the trash cans. Because typically the other team does a walkthrough there too. And sometimes it's the play sheet, tear it up. And I think in the past they've found shit before and like piece right. it together. That doesn't mean you can also tomfoolery put a fake one in there. You know, there. Well, for sure. I When I, when I did uh, Arena Football, John, Fred Blitnikoff Jr., the head coach, he would always, we would do walkthroughs. I'd always go just because it was fun. The whole thing was a major hangout for me. But he would always run fake plays in the walkthrough. Hoping just that they in case somebody would. Yeah, hoping somebody was watching. That's Arena 2. Arena 2. But that's just right. the football coach's mindset. That's the way these guys think. You're right. I, I've been watching football a long time, and when Urban Meyer said that thing about the special teams, I was like, God, there's so much shit about football that I got no clue. None. Did you see that? I sent you that thing on Mike McCarthy about Pelsaro to the sit-down. Yeah. Did you click on it? I watched some of the video. There was some video, right? Yeah. Because there was a full story that went with it. Yeah, just right? just just like the three four minute video. I didn't watch the interviews, but I just saw some some video or maybe some photos of like him in the house, like with this whole set. Like who's with them at his house? Yeah, it was like Who Jim Haslip, like just fired coaches that are God, just staying locked. Well, I gotta in. go back and watch it. Yeah, yeah it's just kind of crazy. Now that now that uh, Gruden has a job, someone else has to be the leader of the fired coaches association. Yeah, but he starts crying, like kind of. You can tell, like he's not in a great place. <laughs> Interesting. It's a weird deal. And then I, I was actually. Texting with Pelissaro, I DM'd him. I said, I asked him why he cried. I was like, did someone die in the family? He's like, no, you just think about it. I think the firing took him a little off guard, and they still live in Green Bay. So it's like the Packer. It's just, I think it's just oh, tough. Oh, he does? Yeah. Wow. You know, he didn't move to, like, Carolina or whatever. He was a coach there for a long time. He's coaches, man. My point was, is you watch that, and the Blitnikoffs, and you've been around college coaches, pro coaches, you think you like football, or if you like basketball, or you like baseball, if you fucking spend time with like a Bruce Bochy or a Pat Riley, or or a Mike McCarthy, they like the sport. Like, you think you're the biggest fan in the world. They like the sport infinitely more than you. Infinitely more than you. 
Like, you watch this thing on Mike McCarthy, you can't possibly like football more than Mike McCarthy likes football. Like, now, that doesn't mean he's Bill Walsh, or doesn't mean, it doesn't even, that's, that's just the baseline of being a coach. You have to fucking, it's like your drug. It's just, in football, even different, like in basketball, they get some downtime, the sport's different. Baseball, a little like football because you just, you live it. It's just every day. But baseball, you're at least playing games. Football, it's more like, you got to love it because you're not really playing that much. All year long, you get 12 to 16 of them. It sucks. That's why I well, think. It's like, like asking somebody, do you, like, do you, oh, I play some guitar. Well, you know a couple chords and can finger pick the four first two minutes to Stairway to Heaven or your Prince. Like, which, you play, do you play guitar? Do you like fuck around on the guitar? Like, most of us fuck around with sports. Andy Reid is Prince, right? Kyle Shanahan is Prince with the guitar. Yeah, like it's, I can't, it's not the I can't same even thing. tell you how much they're thinking about, like, yeah, it's just, it, it's all consuming. Like, and we, I, to me, it's just the levels, man. It's just, it's the levels, like, the degrees beyond the normal comprehension that they that's why it's it cracks me up when it's like Kyle what, I don't know about that play call from Kyle which is fair game like I'm not mad at it but it's like the hours of film the years of preparation all of that stuff that plays into that snap decision versus you know ah, I heard something that uh, Merrill Hodge said on TV the other day I don't I don't like that play well, you get a lot of that right you, I watched the Baldy breakdown and you and I, I get that you. like most people I talk to from my mom to friends to whoever, it, when sports come up, that's usually a good conversation starter for that person that just has, you know, normal people job that love sports. They go, you know, I heard uh, so-and-so make a really good point. What do you think about that? Like, it's usually the con- connection where those guys are watching the shit with zero context. It's, they might have like Garth Brooks on in the background or whatever. It's just them and the sport. But, it, but it's like, think about this. Harbaugh is a good example. He likes football equally as much as, like, Kyle, Andy, Bill. Like, loves it, right? It's his life. Like, it's, it's his drug. But he doesn't know anywhere near the the intricacies of the sport like those guys do, right? Like, he can't do what Andy and Kyle and Sean Payton do. Or could he, maybe? He just chooses not to? Or, yeah, or maybe his strength is something different. Something more observational, but not, that maybe doesn't apply quite to play calling. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know because you agree. Like he likes football as much as you possibly can like football. Yeah, and I'd also say he's like in the history of head coaches. If we just took every head coach ever, (laughs) yeah, he's on the higher end. He's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, his shit works. Yeah, I think sometimes we're just highly critical of him. All right, uh, should we talk about a few headlines or? We'll bang them out really quick. Let's let's fire let's fire a few couple things because I Monday night football was great. I was. The Eagle, you texted me. It's like who other than Eagles fans are not rooting for Eli right now, with Peyton there and Ma, everybody there. Like how excited he got after the touchdown pass. Oh, the first touchdown, and then the second one was badass. Second one was the dude sweet. Was right before halftime, dude was so wide open, and I was rooting for him. At the same time, I was like, I don't want to see the Eagles eliminate. I kind of want the Eagles to still be just a thing because that's fun. Well, I could so, tell even like do you notice Richard Sherman tweeted last night like everyone's sleeping on Eli, and then they read yeah. the tweet as they were going to halftime. And you just realize you're kind of getting caught up in the moment of like, you know, this guy deserves a little more respect. Two-time Super right. Bowl winner, all-time great, classiest human going. His brother, one of the most famous guys in league history, sitting there. Like, just didn't rent. I mean, the guy flew to fucking Philly for the game. It was a pretty big family moment for them, right? Also, are we going to look back in 10 years and Danny Dimes is an eight-time pro bowler? Or are we going to look back in 10 years and, and Eli's career ended like this because some guy who 
is on the Jags now, needed to start for Dave Gettle. As a backup. D- Danny Dimes, that is. Like, never starts Right, again. right. Right. Like, which, like, because if Danny Dimes. If Danny is, Dimes is not as good as him right now, right? If he's the quarterback of the future, then okay, this whole year, fine. That's the way it had to end for Eli. But if he's not, and we're just like. Now, Eli wasn't good last year, but. Or even the second half of last night. <laughs> you know, it was like, the first half was awesome, and then they kind of made some halftime adjustments. You're like, they're going three and out every single drive, and he's yeah, playing. four quarters is a long time. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, two, you know, one-half quarterback. <laughs> well, every time I'd look let's up. Not, let's not act like he threw five touchdowns. You know, he threw two no, in like there the was first a few, 12 minutes. You know what happened a lot in the second half is he'd be like, Eagles have the ball. He'd be like, third and long. I'm like, oh, okay, good. Eli's going to get the ball next. And I'd like look away from the TV, and then – the Eagles will have punted, Giants will have gotten it, punted, and the Eagles have the ball again. It'd be like 45 seconds off the game clock. Like, God, did the, did the Giants touch the football? <laughs> the best moment of the night went viral. They run the flea flicker, and he gets destroyed, and he flips it to Saquon, and it doesn't work. But yeah, then as Booger's no describing it, he goes, I can't believe they ran a flea flicker. None of the DBs bite. And they're showing the angle. All four DBs come flying up to the line of scrimmage. Guy, the flea flicker would have been a walk-in touchdown. I mean, it would have been the easiest touchdown. But he just didn't have time had. to throw. No, he got yeah, the shoulder got destroyed. But it was like, but Booker, everybody. Bit. Booger was like, I can't believe Shermer called this. And Warren Sharp tweeted out every DB guy. They didn't just bite; they sprinted to the fucking line. And you could tell Eli saw it, but then he was just fucked. Saquon. God, he's is he gonna waste away there? Because he is pretty talented. Yeah. That was yeah, it was a cool Eli moment. Shows you one thing I've learned is you gotta be I I bear I don't do this anymore. Make definitive statements in first halves of just football games. In definitely NFL games and any college game where the talent's equal, because you consistently see a lot of shit change in the second half. You know, like Alabama Auburn, just any like I, I wasn't like, is Utah going to show up? But I wasn't just going to bury, like, Utah's going to get rolled because they all of a sudden you see yeah. a when you Ohio just, State's toast. Yeah, I, one, I was not touching that. Yeah, no way. <laughs> you know? Uh, and you just see these NFL games, unless the game's like 30 to nothing at half, but if it's like 14 to 3, you're a pick six away well, from being, I, you know, a close game. I will say this, like, even the, the Niner game, I didn't, we were talking about the play they hit right after it was a two-score deficit, I felt pretty good about. Like, I, I felt okay about them. Like, I didn't think that game was going to get away from them, at least at that point. Well, when it was 20-7, felt- to seven, and you're like, uh, if they go three and out here, it could... Yeah. He I, just I, never I, allowed I, it to, though. Yeah, I just fe- I felt okay about them because their first drive had looked so good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I didn't know that was coming, though. No, that it was it was really phenomenal. It was such a ballsy play. So aggressive, like you tweeted. It was just he's just so aggressive. Uh, Lane, I found myself on Monday Night Football during the first half. I just Kiffin? I couldn't listen to those guys, so I watched this press conference. He is a new human. Like he he sounds much more mature. I don't know if I asked you on the podcast or off it whether you were buying it. I, and listen, I I try to he, hang my hat on, on not being naive at all. I, I just think just you just kind of put yourself in his situations. Maybe it's a little fraught, fake. Right, I do think there's some validity and like he's telling the truth about how he's grown as a person at FAU. You just we talked about this when Chip got fired and then immediately hired again, and he's just then boom a year off, boom hired again at UCLA. Like you don't get created humility if you never have to go work at Cal Poly. 
right? I mean, FAU ain't Cal Poly, but in the football world, from where Lane was used to, that was a pretty humbling experience. Now, if you're if you're like Middlecoff, you got to get humbled. Well, can I make one and a half million dollars a year to get humbled? Like he's his life still is pretty awesome, but from where he was coming from, Pete Carroll, SC, Tennessee, yeah, uh, Saban's right hand guy to coaching at FAU. I think at minimum he understood if I'm going to get a big job again, right. I do have to be a little easier to consume for a big-time AD. Doesn't it speak, too, to his credit? Maybe just he's grown that he won big when he got there. Like, they had won three games a year before, and he won 10 that first year. Yeah. And then last year he had a rough year. This year, 11 wins. Like, it's kind of right. like, you know, it wasn't just a flash in the pan. He took some transfers. Somebody else's player. Yeah, right. it's like, God damn, that was – you might take a step back and go, this might be the most impressive year of Lane's career. Three years in he's at got- FAU, 11 wins. He's got, what, three young kids, right? Yeah. Maybe that contributes to it. Just kind of growing in life. I Yeah, I did have somebody. You see the kid chanting SEC? Uh, the son. Yeah, the son. <laughs> yeah. Is that his ex-wife just kind of pals around with him still? I didn't see that. Well, I mean, she was the one when he was doing SEC, she filmed it. She's like, your dad's going to Ole Miss. Oh, but I was like, yeah, is that his girlfriend? Probably. It's got to be his ex-wife. Yeah, his wife. Yeah. Knox? That's the kid's name. <laughs> yeah. Knox. Well, I th- Knox. Did you see he, he, tweet, he tweeted like, hey, listen, he was born there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did have somebody that's like That's a pretty you, sweet like, name, isn't it? It is a good name. <laughs> that's that's a good unique K-N-O-X, name. K-N-O-X. Yeah. It's a good name. Uh, I had like a pretty big-time college football person who understands it. I was talking to him today. He said, I think it's a great fit because Ole Miss, Ole Miss has a huge chip on its shoulder. And Ole Miss fans have a big chip on their shoulder. Like, they don't understand why they don't get treated like Alabama. Yeah. He's like, and Lane, and the beauty is Lane will treat them like they're Alabama. Like, and they're going to love Lane because Lane's going to treat them like they're all a big deal. You know the State of the Union, how, like, every decent point you make, every paragraph, they stand up and clap? Or at least, like, the people in your party. Yeah. Yeah, and then you just say a couple things like, the troops! Yeah, I'm, yeah the troops are... Democracy. My special guest who's battling disease. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lane, the, the first, there were two press conferences. One where he gets up on the dais solo, not even a dais, but one of the things that are like tall, you know, like up to someone's chest with a mm-hmm. mic before he got Podium. to the dais, solo. So he's standing there in front of what looks like to be the basketball arena, which is half full. And every other line, he'd be like, I believe Ole Miss is a place we can win championships. Applause. I believe that we can raise great young men. Applause. I believe that I I have been mentored by the best in the business, Nick Saban, and I plan on bringing all that here. Applause. You know, it's just, this guy's kind of knows what he's dealing with. Slash, this fucking place is pretty nuts, guy. <laughs> that place yeah. is nuts. I did, you know, I was, because Mike Norvell got hired at Florida State, and I heard one of it the doesn't feel, like It doesn't feel like they're as nuts as Ole Miss. No, but I did hear one of the Florida. Somebody asked one of the Florida State reporters, like, why did it go so bad for Willie so fast? And the guy was like, well, I think one of the issues was because, in other words, like, it's a bad situation. We got to be patient with Mike Norvell. It's like, okay, but Willie just got like, it's not even snowballed two years. on him fast. Yeah. Nobody was patient with him. What was the difference? Like, what the hell? And one thing the guy said, he's like, I don't think Willie realized, like, Willie came in talking about how they're going to win. Like, we're ready to win. He's like, and it was a disaster. Like, the last recruiting class that, they got left was bad. They had to like do these short term fixes. You're saying he like set the expectations the too high day one. Yeah, that was this guy's point. Was like they set the expectations too high, which is like to me okay, but it's kind of bullshit. It's like 
all right, so if the guy didn't realize how bad your job was when he took it, now he gets punished for that. But I don't know. I feel like Lane's good. Enough. Like I think Lane will. I think they'll compete. Well, the other thing he so the other thing he could drop, and this is why he probably makes more sense in the SEC than a lot of other conferences, is he's saying these names. He dropped a couple things. He's like. There are six former Saban assistants that are head coaches in the SEC. I've worked with all of them. Every, wow. Everyone's like, whoa, or whatever the number was, right? And he's like, and a lot of those assistants now are also at different programs. I Think of all the guys so I've are, worked with in three. As head coaches? Well, he's got Pruitt. He's got Kirby. Kirby he's got Nick. Yeah, he, he didn't say six. But he said there are countless SEC head coaches that I've worked with that will be playing. And then he just started dropping names like – when I go into a kid's living room, I'm going to say, if you're a wide receiver, I think you're in the next Amari Cooper. Or I think you're the next Derrick Henry. And he just said some of these names. You're like, I coach them. Because he right. goes, a lot of people... Not in the national championship game, because Nick wouldn't let me. But <laughs> yeah. Well, the third year, but the first couple I got to. But that year, <laughs> there was also this rumor that I was taking down his daughter. That is not true. Remember that rumor that took off? There have been some crazy shit with Lane. But he just... He was at a three-year run where I think Alabama won two championships and you know some of the best players in the NFL are just like, I was around ha-ha Clinton Dix. Like, you just drop names that all these guys in the South are going to know. He's got that going for him to kind of ride the momentum. I think that really helps. Because his point was, you know, a lot of guys get hired. Like, even Mike Norvell will talk about, like, what we did at Memphis. But he's at Florida State now. It's like, no one gives a fuck about Memphis. Like, right. like he, Lane's like, I don't really have to talk about what I did at FAU. I talk about what I did at Alabama. And that's that's a differentiating factor for me here. And it's like, yeah, he's kind of right, because no one cares what you did at FAU, right? When you're recruiting SEC kids, they just don't. So that's all I got, guy. Might go for an right. early dinner. Oh yeah, what are you thinking? I was thinking about just taking myself out to a nice dinner. Oh, you know, like like you got a spot? Or? Yeah, just like Fleming's, pose up at the bar. Now again, you get like happy hour price. Actually, not even that expensive. What's today? Tuesday? Yeah, just that's. I don't battle the masses on Friday and Saturday. I do like Tuesday and Wednesday stuff. I'm just wondering, like, I do like, you know, is there a game on I can watch? Yeah, just, while I'm sitting at the bar. Yeah, I mean, it's big, big, big bar guy. I'm gonna, I'm headed right to the bar. I mean, big like sit at the bar guy. Yeah, I'm with you. But then sometimes right I'll be thinking that at like four, and then by like five thirty comes around, I'll be like, I'm just gonna put on some like sweats and go pick up a burger. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. On that note, adios. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.